Report. Everything's status quo, sir. Very well. If um, anyone needs me, I'll be in my ready room. Welcome to the Readier Room, the only and longest-running Star Trek The Next Generation rewatch podcast. Every week we are watching Star Trek The Next Generation, rewatching it, and then doing a podcast about it, it being Star Trek The Next Generation. My name is Mitchell Nels, Chief Consultant of Services at Paramount. With me is my life partner, Brandon Hobbs, who today, I have on good authority, is doing well. You only knew that because I just told you off mic. Well, I needed my information. You take notes before the show, don't you? I do, too. And part of those mm-hmm. notes is your general state of mind and well-being. <laughs> my disposition. Yes. <laughs> I have the weather here, the color of the sky, and uh, your disposition. Right, right. Check that in the morning when you get up. Yeah, it's... Um, I just Before you even get up, I just look at your mood ring, and I know... How it's uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. how it's gonna be today, right? Right. It's kind of like a weather forecast, but much more tumultuous. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, if if I'm in a bad mood, it's um, doesn't bode well for you, does it? No. And if it's a podcast, we can't even do the podcast on a day like that. No, no. I, I think there's been a couple instances like that where I've I've just been so angry that I couldn't do the podcast. Yeah. And uh, during all those times, we we make do. We do it the next day. But mm-hmm. God forbid that mood ring shows, you know, it's a vibrant red two days in a row. Then the ensigns will have to wait quite a long time. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's just Star Trek. Yeah. 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 Do you think they make mood cock rings? Definitely. Let's see. I'm surprised we didn't look this up at some point before now. As am I. This is definitely something we would be very interested in. In, in the mood cock, mood ring, powerful cock ring with seven vibrations. So, so like, set the mood with this hmm. illuminated mood cock ring that adds ambiance to any sexual encounter. Do you think things ever get awkward with the mood cock ring? Um, <laughs> like, it... it Whatever emotion, excitement maybe would be when uh, somebody is really feeling it, and then they, uh, it just something happens and it switches off that color, and they're like, oh, what? Just, just, are you just okay? com- changes to complete uninterest, <laughs> disinterest rather, disinterest, yeah. sorrow, perhaps. <laughs> sorrow. <laughs> Some things are uh, better left uncommunicated. Especially through the medium of mood cockering. What do you think? What the hell is this? Go on. Check this out. I'll be sure to for, not. For those, for those <laughs> listening, it's it's a, a very odd looking contraption called a, a Climax Gems Blue Mood Ring. I'm trying to piece together how one would wear this. Right. It looks like it looks like a Star Trek gun. <laughs> it does. I think, well, first of all, this is for, it's got to be for men, right? I would think. So I think you would insert 
one part. Oh, no, no, no. It's, it, it, it's, I think it's for both. I, my image of this is that there's a bigger circle and a smaller part under that. I think the big circle, your balls go in there and that puts like this little vibrating part near your grundle. And right. um, then you slide your cock into the the adjacent, not quite a ring, but rectangular prism. And uh, from there, your cock's also getting some stimulation. All right, can I read this review? Please. <clears throat> Five stars. He calls it the dream machine. <laughs> first, first mood ring <laughs> ring I have ever bought. Now I don't know how I lived without it. Ten out of ten for sure. This thing turned my pecker into a damn vibrating machine. Usually I last 30 plus minutes. Now I have cut that time in half. I now have more free time than I know what to do with. I'm living the damn dream. Buy this thing and watch your life change. Now, I'll, I'll be completely honest. I, if that's what it does, it is definitely a necessary item. Because, <laughs> man, if you're lasting 30 minutes, that's just too long. Yeah. You gotta... Yeah, it's way too long. You gotta cut that down. Yeah, I, I go a good three minutes and, you know, get on with my day. I'm aware. I'm aware. <laughs> Goodness. That was good. Um, But yeah, I, I think people overrate, generally, uh, the, the value of long-lasting... Oh, those two. Oh, oh. Yeah, but, I, I, I didn't realize that, that was what we were still talking about. Yeah, yeah I guess so. Well, it's because you'll be on, let's say you get to minute 20. I don't know a person out there whose mind doesn't start to drift and, you know, what they're going to have for dinner or what's right, uh, right. what's what's kicking what's on the YouTube these days. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Or, and, yeah, or usually, Star Trek. you're like, absolutely. Star- yeah. I mean, there's been several times. Oh, you know. Both you and me, you know, we'll be in the middle of it, and we'll, we'll both drift to Star Trek, and then, right. Um, but you know, when you're on the same page, then that's when the, that's when the role play starts, which is nice. <laughs> Someone just calls out ensign, and uh, <laughs> things go from there. Now, the, this compounds the problem, depending on what you think about, because if your mind drifts to something less sexy, then perhaps your your erection starts to flag, and it's you're just going to last longer, and you're trapped in this. This yeah. hell of um, right, right. It's like a cycle. Yeah, it's like just yeah. let me uh, jizz come orgasm. Right, right. Any of any of the above. Yeah, yeah. Especially by that point, it starts getting like really hot. Yeah, which also affects. You kind of want to be sweaty. You know, like your muscles start getting tired. You know, right. Whether you're holding yourself yeah. up over the bed or it's your hips or whatever's happening there, it's right. just. It's a lot of exertion. Mm-hmm. You know? It's, yeah, it's, it's, not, it's not even really fun, is it? No. Nah. Big no. So, uh, sex, wouldn't recommend it. No. No. Just keep watching Star Trek. Keep doing what you're doing. The, um, the Radio Room has always been an abstinence-only podcast. Right, right. Well, there's no other way to interact with the Star Trek audience. <laughs> no, there's certainly not. <laughs> um yeah but uh i, I don't know uh, let's let's move on to some other news items huh we we have a few um this is a big week yeah um we have uh jean-luc brunel 
mm-hmm. uh, found dead in his, his prison cell. Friend in, of the show. France. Yeah, well, what people don't know is that, well, a lot of people don't know, is that in French, the family name actually comes first. Right, right. And the given name comes last. So Jean-Luc is actually Picard's last name. Mm. So he's actually related to, to Jean-Luc Brunel. They're, they're distant cousins. Which qualifies uh, so this, this as a, kind of a, being newsworthy for Trek. Right, right. It's, it's a big Trek moment. Where no man has Trekked before. So what do you think? Do you think he killed himself? Um, you know, I'm always one to take these things at face value. I'm a trusting person. And if you want to tell me that uh, somebody in prison killed themselves, I'd believe you. Here's the thing. If I was going to be put away for life for um, sex crimes involving minors, which would never happen yeah, to me, but... <laughs> But if I was, <laughs> I would seriously consider uh, suicide, as one does. We're going to be put on a list somewhere for this one. Um, yeah, there, no, there's no better time to kill yourself than then. Mm. For sure. You really save yourself the trouble of uh, uh, being killed by someone else, uh, probably much more slowly. Right, and uh, much more painfully. Mm-hmm. Now, with that in mind, your asshole asunder. With that in mind, we do have to keep in mind that um, the rich elite do rule the world like their own playground. And uh, yeah, so but I, I, yeah, human concepts like law do not apply to them, nor should exactly. they. Exactly. Well, you know, you need you need people who are kind of above the rabble to to make the decisions that that people can't make for themselves so exactly and sometimes you need a bit of a stage play to convince people that the world does function the way that they've been led to believe that it does <laughs> sometimes those decisions include raping children it's all part of a grander plan yeah you, you wouldn't understand it's all for the greater good exactly like 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 emperor palpatine fighting the yuzon vong which has really informed my life philosophy. Basically, <laughs> I probably make that that comparison once a week to something. <laughs> Only once a week? Are you sure? <laughs> it's it, you can justify anything with it, really. I think they did that back in World War Two in Central Europe. Is that right? Yes, that was uh, <laughs> the main justification. <laughs> What is it? Yuzon Vong? Yeah. Now, are they like a, a Chinese bug people allegory? Because that's what they sound like. That is what they sound like, right? Yeah. And I'm not sure what they were supposed to be. I don't know. I really don't know anything about them because uh. um, I'm not I'm not a nerd. But all I know is their name and that like the they can't use the force on them. I think they're, they're these weird like green skeletal looking guys. Hmm. Interesting. Well, I, I wonder what makes them so force-resistant, other than the need for dramatic tension. <laughs> I, th- I think he might have nailed it. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, they, they, they come from outside the galaxy, so I, I don't know. They, 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 maybe, maybe the force doesn't exist outside the, the, the galaxy now, is far, it, far away. Is proper. it that the, the force can only interact with midichlorian-adjacent beings? Is that it? That could be it. I don't know. 
I mean, there's metachlorians in everything, so I guess that would make sense. Now, are they mini-chlorians or maxichlorians? They're midichlorians. Oh, they're not like MP3 chlorians. No. I no. see. Wave chlorians. Right, right, right. Flak. Flak chlorians. Flacorians. Flacorians. Oh, yeah, we have a new Star Trek race. Right. <laughs> they're actually a member of the Dominion, the Flacorians, from the yeah. Gamma Quadrant. They're they're not members of the Breen Confederacy. <laughs> they're not members of the Breen Confederacy. They're not members of my personal brain trust. They're <laughs> <laughs> Breen Trust. <laughs> so there's no yeah. thoughts. There's no thoughts. There's no thoughts. No no thoughts. No second thoughts. Now, hmm. do do you think Jean Luc uh, killed himself? This Jean Luc. Um, I could be convinced that he did more than more than Epstein. Okay, you know, I I think Epstein was very suspicious. I don't know the details of this one just yet. I don't I don't know if anyone does. I'm not sure. I haven't looked that that far into it. Mm. I just saw his name and laughed. But um, hey, yeah, uh, like you said, it's pretty. You can conceive of someone killing themselves for this. Yeah. It's um that's what makes it such an effective ploy, to be especially because there's precedence too though because because you know Epstein is dead, um mm -hmm. this guy mm -hmm. who associated with him a lot could have seen that and been like well I guess I should kill myself. Now we're on uh, official Maxwell watch, right? Yeah, I, I guess we are. <laughs> well, where's she at? Uh, probably in the Maxwell house. If I had to. <laughs> 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 oh my god all right that's enough of that that was good. Um. good all right so moving on to the question of the week um which we do every week where we answer questions on a weekly basis um this week's question comes from gabrielle gabrielle in france who says hey admirals is there any room in your heart for non-trek sci-fi or are you both one women men Thanks for keeping quiet on that accident, Gabriel. All right, that Gabriel, I see. Uh, mm -hmm. No problem, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, the appropriate compensation has already exchanged hands, so it's all good. Um, but anyway, uh, not really for me. Uh, maybe you're different, but I don't tolerate that very, very much at all. Uh, Non-Trek sci-fi? Non-Trek sci-fi. You know what I mean? Like, what's the point? Sci-fi. I mean, yeah. You're 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 a Star Wars guy, aren't you? Yeah, I like Star Wars. I, you know, it's 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 good enough. Um, I'm not sure yeah, about I mean, that. Trick if it's good enough, I think it might be below that bar. But <laughs> well, nowadays, I suppose. Yeah. But I, don't know, I tried watching this show called Space Force recently. Have you heard of this? Yeah, with with uh, Steve Carell. Yeah. All right. So and uh, friend friend of the show Jimmy O Yang. That's right. Also John Malkovich, who remains in his perpetual state of being John Malkovich. Being John Malkovich. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's um, right. That's right. Well, what what did you think of Space Force? I hated it. I fucking hated it. I, did you actually watch it? I did. Uh, this isn't a, a bit. 
I how much? How much of it? One episode, which is an a fa- uh, a, which is a fancy way of saying as much as I could humanly stand to watch. Right. Um, I thought that show was so fucking terrible. It's um obviously it's a comedy. Well, it's a comedy if anybody's not privy to it, but well, it, it's it's a it's a it's a scare quotes comedy. Exactly. It's not. It's not funny, first of all, which is tragic for a comedy but there's something about the way that it's shot and the way that it's written mm-hmm. where there's a lot of like wide angle close-ups of actors actors who should never be in close-up yeah and yeah it was just very baffling to me that 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 was how it that was the direction it went in so this this is um it's definitely got I mean, I haven't watched it, but I'm assuming it, it, it's definitely got like office parks and rec vibes to it, doesn't it? Yes, but no. Um, it has that kind of day to day conversational style in the character interactions, but mm. it's not kind of going back to the shooting. It's not at all shot the same way. Which really right. gives it a different air, and not and not in a particularly good way. Um, so it it feels like an attempt to go back to that well without really understanding it, and not that those shows were very deep at all, but it it just belies a misunderstanding of what 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 was nice about those those productions. So yeah, sure. I can't, and I'm not. Those shows weren't weren't that great. I, you can be something different. That's fine. But when you're trying to go back there and you're failing at it, it's just so embarrassing. It's it's embarrassing yeah. in an execution, and also that somebody wanted to do this creatively, that they couldn't uh, make something. New. I wonder if there was any creative force. Um, what was your favorite joke from the ten minutes you watched of it? Oh, I watched the the entire first episode. Oh, okay. Which was thirty five minutes, about longer than a syndicated show by a good margin, but mm. um, or a network show, I should say. I can't recall a joke that I liked. I know there had to have been one, but I, it did not stick with me. I Shame. I I've written that down. I liked when Steve Carell used a fake gravelly voice because he's playing an over-the-top military guy. And he <laughs> did that for the entire episode. Um, oh, that's great. I liked the terribly clumsy satire that uh, the show is nestled with. It's all... Oh, why? Because it's, it's like a military thing? Well, it's a military under Trump thing. Um, there's, okay. there's a lot, yeah, 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 I guess, right. There's no direct reference to Trump by name, but it's a lot of, oh, the, the POTUS was tweeting this and tweeting that. And the, the impetus Ugh. for the show, which is the United States space branch of the military, is that the president of the United States is just clamoring to have, quote, boots on the moon. That's a repeated phrase that they go back to many mm-hmm. times in the episode in the first episode and the idea is like oh it's the thing is like that's yeah. 
Yeah. Th- that can be such a funny concept. Yeah. But the it's not it's not focused on being humorous as much as it is focused on being satirical. Which right. are obviously somewhat related, but um the the idea isn't that it's a clever bit of writing, it's just, oh, in this show and thus our our real world, the president's uh, kind of a buffoon, which is like the so, president's silly, yeah. yeah, which you know, is very low hanging fruit, and uh, it's super low hanging. I mean, I I don't know, like it's Trump definitely did something to comedy while yeah. he was in office, and I mean, even after, he, where people think that pointing out ridiculous things in real life is funny, mm. they're like, they they think they think. I mean, I, I phrase that poorly, but they think they can satirize something that's already a parody of itself, right? Just you know, just uh, saying this is ridiculous is not. Um, it's in, not. Yeah, it's not inherently comedy. funny or anything. If I wanted to laugh, I could have turned on the news and watched Donald Trump speak. Right. Like, like that's funny. Uh, you you uh, you know, looking at the camera and saying that just happened <laughs> uh, in response to it is not funny. Well, part of the reason, in fact, it's enraging. Part of the reason, or the entire reason, Trump is as um, ridiculous as he was is that it was happening in real life that you you had to take that moment to be like oh this, yeah yeah th- yeah this isn't fiction <laughs> this is this is our reality now right whereas when it's in a show it's like okay fictional characters acting larger than life you know that's that's kind of what i expect um yeah. for a fictional character yeah but i i do like the idea of of something as obviously capital intensive and labor intensive as a space force i like the idea in fiction that there's this group of people uh, who uh, basically have to expend all the all these all these resources and all this money just on a whim, mm. uh, and and watching them grapple with uh, kind of being tugged around. Yeah, but it, it, it has potential as a concept, which is even sadder. the The way that they decide to take it is that the main character is incompetent and doesn't realize his incompetence. Basically, um, the same character that. Steve Carell played on The Office, but because of that, it's it's all it's all sincere. It's not uh, those characters um, dealing with the absurdity of their situation from the higher ups. It's more of just right. oh, I I I'm the leader of this. I must be really important, and I, I'm not understanding that this is a complete joke. Yeah, that's joke. stupid. Yeah, yeah. That 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 kind of character needs to be like you know someone sent from from you know headquarters or whatever who's like almost an hr kind of person yeah uh but they're like beholden to uh, to some degree but he's not like the 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 leader of the mission or whatever like that's that's just stupid mm-hmm. that's just that's that's asking for exactly what you're seeing in the show which is just nonsense and garbage but which is um, kind so of a good sp- subtitle for space force nonsense and garbage <laughs> <laughs> so so you would say this is not good sci-fi i would say this is not good sci-fi um <laughs> I hated it. Yeah, yeah. You know what is good sci-fi? Farscape. Yeah. Now yeah. is that is that the one with the Stargate? No, that's Stargate. <laughs> <laughs> this is the this is the one with with the Farscape. Oh, I see. Yeah. Um. Now I can I can see where you get confused. Yes. Who is far? And why is why is his cape so important? Far's cape? Yeah. It's uh 
I don't know. I'm not. I'm not going down this. <laughs> that was too easy for you. <laughs> but in all seriousness, what do you what do you dig about Farscape? Oh no, it's just really good. I think I talked about it like a few episodes ago. Uh, I, I, I don't really here. listen when but, um, you talk. So yeah, <laughs> I'm not surprised. Uh, no, it's just really good. It is. It's it's like the antithesis of Trek, where you have a crew that um, you know they're they're all criminals for mm-hmm. the most part, and there's like one human guy who gets teleported into this galaxy full of aliens and stuff and um they they don't get along with each other they all don't trust each other and uh there's really good uh jim henson puppets actually interesting and um so it's not just guys with weird noses yeah 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 the 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 makeup and stuff is pretty decent and it's um there's like overarching plots i guess but what I've watched of it, which isn't a, a ton, I've only really watched of you know some of the first season. Um, it's mostly episodic, and it's like the like the overarching thing is like these guys like coming to trust each other or whatever, but they still sort of hate each other. So mm. there's a lot of like little shenanigans where they do things just to spite each other, which is nice to see in a in a sci-fi show. It's a little less uh, uh, clean and and dry as Star Trek is. Yeah, it's certainly nice to not have. Um... Oh, everybody is everybody's best friend all the time. Yeah, 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 yeah. Now, have you? Uh, seen, it is. It yeah. is worth watching. Have you seen that episode of TNG where um, Picard and Riker both end up on a uh, um, a smuggler bandit vessel, and Picard is undercover as a as a smuggler? And I mean, I definitely have, but I don't remember this now. Well, the reason it's it kind of has that vibe to it of you know this this crew of people who just don't trust or like each other and mm-hmm. uh them you know accomplishing whatever mission mission they have so it, you, you might enjoy revisiting that one we will eventually yeah, yeah. of course i mean we will <laughs> yes whether we like it or not unless one of us dies soon that is always a possibility that i think about yeah. often yeah. In fact, it's, yeah, I think about it too. It's kept me going throughout some times of uh, struggle, where like, oh, I'm really in poor health, but I want to talk about the next episode of Star Trek, and I, <laughs> I find a few more days somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> I just can't wait <laughs> to be king. Yep. Rap, there rap, it is. Rap, rap, rap. All right, let's uh, let's uh, let's go talk about Star Trek. Thank you, Gabriel. Yes, yes. This might be the one of the longer longest preambles we've ever had. Yeah, probably. Oh, do, do you want to do you want to uh, plug the uh, the Radio Room account? Yeah, question? that's that's true. Yeah, I should. Um, if you have a question like Gabriel that you want us to answer in our question of the week segment, we do every week where we answer questions from viewers. Then please send us an email at theradioroom at gmail with a capital T and two capital R's or you can tweet at us at the Ready Room or even DM the Twitter account and I have it on good authority that perhaps in the future we might even have a, an account on the gram to field some questions mm. if uh, anybody out there uses that app. Yeah, yeah. You know, as, as long as our producer can find the time to do some work. You know, Dane himself to get on the fucking gram where we need him. <laughs> Uh, but we'll be sure to let you know. Yes. Um, okay, so this week we have The Defector. Yeah. We which... have The Defector, written by written by Ronald Moore, who came on with the bonding. 
Mm-hmm. Um, this was the first draft. We have uh, Robert Shearer directing. He did uh, Measure of a Man, Peak Performance, and The Price, uh, one of our favorite episodes. This is quite the pedigree. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, this was a good episode. This uh, was it's mm-hmm. it's funny coming off of it's funny coming off of the previous episode where it was mostly just people sitting around and talking. Mm. And this episode is also just people sitting around and talking and it's a million times better. It is. What do you think? I would I would I haven't thought about this enough to say it concretely, but I wouldn't be surprised if this ended up as one of my um top 5 or top 10 TNG episodes. I really liked it. Um, wow. More likely top ten, but I thought well, I thought the episode had a ton of strength to it, but the the tension revolving around the the titular defectors defectors motives, um, I thought was really gripping. I thought mm-hmm. um, that character himself was very well written and well acted, and um, I didn't. It's this is kind of why this and uh, first contact episodes, prime directive episodes, are why I enjoy TNG as much as I do. Absolutely, yes, I totally agree with that. And you know, saying that, I guess it's not too far fetched for this to be one of the better episodes of the series as a whole. This is the kind of episode where, like, if I turned on TV as as an audience member and, and saw this episode, like, this would have hooked me on on the series. Oh yeah, immediately. It's so good, and it, it, it really l- continues to lend credence to the, the idea that bottle episodes are the best. You can't distract um, anybody with a bunch of special effects. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There's there's no no little set pieces. It's just people on the ship having to deal with the problem. And uh, yeah, yeah, it's, it's really, really, really good. It's unsettling mm. in all the right ways. And um, it's actually got a hook to the the conflict that makes you want to think about it. You know, mm. you know, as as you're going through the episode, it's asking you. There's no there's no dramatic irony here. It's asking you, as an audience member, do you trust this guy? Like, what would you do? You know, which is very and important. It, yeah, because how many times? Especially, I think the last episode we watched, they had that moment of. Uh, dramatic irony that just sapped the entire uh <laughs> absolutely yeah yeah there's there's no more mystery left in an episode that really needed it because nothing else was going on um but yeah but what was i gonna say it's it's really it's yeah it's really important to have to have the audience be kind of an active participant in the story and they do a really good job of um kind of swinging you back and forth on on the issue of whether or not to trust this guy. Hmm. Just worked um, so well, all of that. Yeah, yeah, it was really good. Um, I liked how much, uh, how appropriate, how do I want to put this? They gave an appropriate amount of gravitas to the idea of, of, of a war. Um, mm-hmm. You know, a lot of times in Trek fiction, but Trek especially, it's easy to hand wave the implications of... Um, the conflicts that they either get into or allude to for example right. for example the last time they encounter tomalock and there's that uh you know that standoff 
you don't really think about what that could lead to. It's just, okay, here's two spaceships. Maybe they're going to blow each other up. And there's a little bit of that in this one. But when all the characters are talking about the ramifications of what they're doing, it's not their lives that are really at stake more so than just everybody on either side of that proposed conflict. It's what motiv- sure. it's what motivates the the defector. That's what um, Picard ruminates on. It's it's appropriate and it's nice, I think. Yeah, this this episode really had a sense of scale that you would get from maybe a Borg episode. Yes, you know it's it's not just the Enterprise that you're worried about. Uh, it, it operates on that scale for most of the episode. There is a little part I take umbrage with near the end, but we'll talk about that when we get to it, I think. Mm. Um, but but unlike a Borg episode where the threat is more, um, I don't know, otherworldly, science, science yeah, fictionist. Sure. The idea of a war and avoiding it is you know, very easy for us to conceptualize in, in our yeah, world. Yeah, sure. The Borg are a little more abstract. Right. So because of that, it just hits hits home a little better. Yeah. It hits different, as the kids would say. It hit different. It, it, it do hit different. Uh, I thought James Sloyan is Jarek. Jarek, is that how you say it? Um, Jarek. Jarek. Yeah. I thought I thought he was pretty good. Yeah. What I you think? I thoroughly enjoyed his performance. Um, maybe I'm going by Trek standards. I don't know, but it's uh, it was it was good. I, I enjoyed the scenes in which he featured heavily yeah yeah there was that that scene in the in the in 10 forward where he has this little monologue that felt a little rutger howery it's uh uh in in, in blade runner yeah <laughs> the, the, the tears in the rain thing yes um <laughs> but uh yeah I, I liked him quite a bit it was nice to see him he comes back as um as alexander future alexander later on so uh that's pretty cool. It is cool. Were Were you happy to see Tomalock again? Um, I enjoy Tomalock. <laughs> I like Tomalock too, and uh, he kind of he kind of goes underused. Like they could have used him a little bit more um throughout the series because this is the last time he shows up as Tomalock himself. Right. It it uh, it just works better for me when the um the Romulans or really any alien race has more has a as as a has a character that that stands for them rather than just being up it's the romulans they're evil mm-hmm. um oh it's yeah it's tomalock we have a history with him um he totally acts like this whatever there's a lot yeah. of that in trek where it's just it, it races instead of characters that that sure. are antagonists yeah, I, I I never really thought about it that way, but you're totally right. This series probably could have benefited from um, more character representation for each race. Yeah. Where it's like, okay, we have a Klingon episode. Who do we want to pull out? Or do we want to put me, you know, maybe it can be someone new, but would this character, you know, lend something to the story that, that a character we don't know would not? That was... And I guess, you know, ultimately, yeah. That was one of the things that, um, the Klingon specifically, I mean, that they they did well. I think it's the next season for where there's yeah. that whole plot about the succession of of Klingons, and yeah, it, it it gives it gives honestly the whole race a lot more character to it, right? Too. And, and that's nice. That guy who ends up 
coming out on top of that. I forget his name. Um, yeah. Cause he's such a great character. <laughs> um, but he, he shows up every time that the Klingons feature heavily. And if he doesn't show up, they allude to him. It's like, Oh, what is, what does this guy think about this situation? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And he shows yeah. up in deep space nine too. It's, um, it's just consistency. Oh, wow. And it's world building. Um, <laughs> Another episode of the Ready Room, another reference to Deep Space Nine. Hmm. These are... <laughs> it, it, you have to realize, TNG and Deep Space Nine form a symbiote circle. What happens to one of them happens <laughs> to the other. <laughs> you must understand this. <laughs> but yeah, that's cool. That's cool. Yeah. Um, so, uh, does... yeah, when we go through the episode... What? I forget. Or, or did, did you have a question for me? A trivia question? No, no, no. You, you were just about to say, how does... Oh, how does the episode start, I was thinking, in preparation oh, of going yeah, through it's, it. Oh, it yeah, starts, it starts with uh, the holodeck scene. Yes, okay. Which, um, which just, just to preface this, uh, Patrick was very unhappy about. Hated it. <laughs> if, if you remember. Um, yeah, he, he despised this... Uh, Basically, this was gonna be um, this was gonna be one of our Sherlock scenes. Remember? Yep. We'd been uh, kind of amassing letters from our Sherlock fan, and we thought just for the safety of the cast and crew, we should probably throw him a bone once in a while. Um, but we still we still couldn't navigate the right situation after uh, I think it was Elementary, hmm. my dear Data, uh, where we kind of got slammed for it. Um, we we still we still didn't figure that out, and it took us a very long time to. Um, so we had to replace it with something and it was kind of a free for all. And, um, I remember, I think it was the first or second day of filming, um, because we still hadn't even ironed it out by then. Patrick approached, uh, he approached Rob, um, Rob Shearer mm. with the idea of, of having this like Bond-esque action set piece starring Picard, um, you know, guns and explosions and car chases, that kind of thing. Um, now Brent, who was at the time he was talking shop uh, with Rob, um, at 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 the moment that that Patrick had approached him, um, his his eyes his eyes just lit up and and he looked Patrick right in the eyes with um, the biggest shit eating grin I've ever seen him make and and he said uh, yeah why not Henry V? and um, and Rob really liked that idea and so we ended up doing Henry V and uh, shooting that scene was interesting. Certainly was. You just once you know how far, exactly how far outside of Patrick's purview, uh, Shakespeare tends to fall. It it gives all of that another, another layer to it. Yeah, people don't really. I mean, you know, he's a Shakespearean actor, of course, but people don't understand uh, how much he despises Shakespeare. It's just a um, role, you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's like imagining everybody on TNG who worked on TNG just loves sci-fi, right? It's just right, right it's just right. a job, right? But watch watching him, uh, watching him uh, throw little temper tantrums, caked in that makeup, um, mm. for that scene was was <laughs> incredibly rewarding, uh, for lack of a better term. It's it's seared into my mind. It was certainly fun. It was very funny. Uh, it took it took a long time to get through those scenes, though. Um, but uh, yeah, you you know you know Brent was really excited to be doing something legitimate, right? Like like Shakespeare. You don't think Brent always 
does legitimate roles. <laughs> like something that's something that's not a uh, an android on a, a pulpy sci-fi TV show. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I, I thought that um, android on pulpy sci-fi TV show would be the the pinnacle of one's career. Well, no. it was the pinnacle of his. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> hey, he's not finished yet. He's, he's waiting for his big break. He was in Independence uh, well, Day. He'll, he'll be in Picard Season 3. He'll be in Rush no, Hour Brent 3. Is, Brent is good. He does, he, does a good he, does a good, he does a good data. He does a good job. He does. Uh, I don't, I don't want to go too hard on Brent because he's one of the better ones. Let's also plug his YouTube channel, which we're both big fans of. Yeah, um, uh, the real Brent Spiner. Exactly. He's got some uh, curb vibes there. Yeah, yeah, he does his little curb TV show where his 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 character of himself raped a woman or something. Character. Um, character. <laughs> now, I was pleasantly surprised that uh, the beginning of it, because this was entirely accidental, um, This this the filming of this scene. And it, it goes on to relate to the rest of the episode, which is really cool. Yeah, it's a nice little serendipitous moment. Mm. It's nice. It's nice. Yeah, it's uh, you know it doesn't always work out like this. Um, sometimes no. In fact, like at least fifty percent of the time, it doesn't. No, and whenever it play, it comes back around, loop in on itself, like an Ouroboros. Um, yeah. You just kind of feel like you're treated to something, you know, an actual, sure. an actual heady script, kind of <laughs> a well thought out <laughs> TV show, right? Instead so, of a, a juvenile affair, right? One thing, one thing. I mean, as an audience member, you watch this this holodeck scene, and it's like Patrick is playing two parts, which is very jarring. <laughs> yeah, and. I I don't know if in universe they uh, said base this guy off Captain Picard's appearance. <laughs> oh yeah, maybe, you know they could have, they could have, but there wasn't enough context provided for the scene uh, because Picard is standing there watching Data perform, and then once he speaks too loud, the other characters try to kill him. <laughs> like, what was going on here? If they're programmed to follow the script, kind of. They they, yeah. they won't follow it if they think someone else is there. <laughs> yeah, but like, what, did he sneak in? Did they not really? They didn't think very hard about this. Um, it's just strange. But yeah, so I I, I guess the whole conceit here is that uh, well, this this doesn't really end up relating too much to the the rest of the episode. But Data's trying to uh, to learn about the human condition through Shakespeare, which Picard says there is no better way. Yeah, doubt. Shakespeare to study the human condition to paraphrase him. Yeah, um, <laughs> I don't think that's that's true. Um, and he he tells this this really bothered me. Hmm. He he tells Data not to imitate people, um, but and I, I think I think you'll agree with me uh, when I say that the the creative process when you're just starting out you have to imitate people. Yes. Yes. <laughs> the imitation is, is the very first step of becoming good at something and developing your own style. I would say and, imitation and like, is is involved in the human condition, even beyond creativity. <laughs> sure, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, so Picard's, Picard's insistence that Data not imitate the people that came before him is ridiculous. 
And it, it almost speaks to whoever wrote that line, um, just how, how they seem to have never created anything. I don't know. <laughs> or, or I guess it was just a slip up, maybe. But it's still a very stupid line. It is. I don't think they thought about it that much other than um, we need Picard to give Data constructive criticism on this. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. I, I guess it could have just been a throwaway thing, but it, it really it really hit me. Uh, while we're on the topic, um, Data actually, uh, we, we had our first um, our first uh, customer for our, for our little advertisement. Mm-hmm. Yes, campaign we were doing here. We put out those ads in all um, the magazines. For for those who don't know, yeah, 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 yeah. We had ma- magazine ads. Um, we had billboards. Even I don't know if we had TV commercials. No, no. Um, but I, I I would imagine most of our audience wasn't really either. They weren't alive back then, or they weren't uh a, a cogent they weren't adults they, mm. they, you know so they, they wouldn't have noticed this but yeah we, we had this advertising campaign um around uh the production of season three where you could you just paid a flat fee and data would say your name or the name of your company um in, in a season three episode you couldn't really choose we would just have to work depending on when you when we got your payment or whatever mm. um the issue for us um or more the the producers in the studio is that no one really saw the utility in it at the time. I think we were ahead of our time, but yeah. um that was before Fiverr, no, before Patreon, before anything. Right, right. Right. Yeah. So so no one really thought uh it would be good for business to have their name or the name of their company mentioned on an episode of Star Trek of all things. Um I guess the 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 cost was a little prohibitive. Uh there's only so much airtime we have, so mm. you know, of course we we couldn't have uh too many people signing up for this um but we were very happy to have kenneth Brana be the first to sign on this episode um data mentions him by name as uh as a, a an actor he he has studied and uh we actually had him on set uh one of the one of the days and he's he's, he's a really pleasant guy he was actually pretty lucky in that we had a way to fit his name naturally into the script so it you know yeah showed... very very serendipitous isn't it it is second serendipity count at two for today um <laughs> the original idea was that probably over the end credits or the opening theme or just during um fade out before commercial data would or friends i suppose would just say the name apropos of nothing <laughs> you just shout it right and it, it would have like a little echo effect yeah so it would be um pet boys you know whatever um <laughs> yeah. or, or, or we'd attach the name to like an ensign and, and data would yell at them Ensign Denny's. <laughs> but in very unnatural ways of it showing up. But in this case, it, it figured right into the events of the of the of the plot. Or at least that yeah, scene. Yeah, it was nice. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he's very happy about that. So, good job, Ken. You, uh... Good job, Ken. You really nailed it. At least, at least one Ken is doing a good job. Right. <laughs> one out of, one out of, you know, 30 million is... Is not bad. <laughs> um, yeah. So so then then Picard gets called to the bridge. Uh, well, they all get called to the bridge, I guess. Um, Data takes off his little uh, hairpiece. Yeah. You know, oh my god, that stupid little hairpiece. <laughs> uh, I was guy. I I can't believe we didn't mention that yet. Yeah, that was stupid. Um, there's this really cool leap motif going through this episode. Mm-hmm. 
Did you notice this? I did not. The music? I did not. I thought it was exceptionally good. So is it is I it just loved it. is it just a recurring um, little bit or does it signal anything? It's it's literally the entire tr- the entire track is I, I I feel like it's it's the only piece of music in the entire episode, but it gets repurposed like you know they'll they'll, they'll up the tempo and add you know yeah. drums or whatever to it when it gets like intense or whatever. Um, it's really really good. Uh, maybe it's just me, but I I, I thought it was I thought it was. No, I mean it's, that's, it's almost it's cool. It's almost got like a creepy vibe to it too. Mm. Like they could use this in an episode, like a psychological episode, and it would have been like really creepy. It just sounds very, very Trek to me in a way that, like we were talking about before, you know, this episode it really represents what Trek is like. I think the music in this episode really represents what Trek should be as well, and what drew me to it to begin with. I regret not uh, paying but, closer attention to it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, what are you gonna do? Most of the time, the music isn't like it's not bad, but it's. A lot of the time, it's like kind of standard stuff. A lot of the time, it is bad. <laughs> you think so? Yeah, it, it certainly has its moments of badness. <laughs> um, but like you said, I, I tend not to pay attention to it either. Uh, uh but yeah, I just want to mention that. Mm. And uh, so yeah, they 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 see a little Romulan shuttle being chased by a, a warbird. Is that what they call them? Um. Yes, because Klingon is bird of prey. The Romulans are right, warbirds. Right. <laughs> We've been through this, I forgot. <laughs> I had to stop and, and, and confirm for myself. But yes, you're right. It is a it is a warbird. Yeah. And the, the little ship is calling out to the Enterprise, you know, I'm seeking asylum, help me. Mm-hmm. And they do. And they do. And they do. Now, there's a lot of, like, sure, the shoot, one sh- one ship shoots the other ship. That was that was a tongue twister, um, <laughs> but they get the guy on board, and instantly everybody's very suspicious because it's a Romulan, you know, whatever. Um, I enjoy Worf's general hostility to him. I mean, yeah, I enjoy Worf's general hostility most of the time. <laughs> right, um, it's it's really cool because we get some echoes of the uh, the episode with the the Romulans on the planet with Geordi. Yep, where Worf didn't save. That one Romulan's life. You get Crusher giving him a meaningful look in Medical Bay. Um, but yeah, so they they talk to this this Romulan in the meeting room, and hey, uh, Frakes is incredibly hostile. Frakes Riker is incredibly hostile. I mean, Frakes is always hostile, but Riker is incredibly hostile here. Um, hmm. in, in a way that uh, really sets the tone poorly for discussions to happen. But you know, first officer, um, no big deal. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and 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 this this Romulan says he's like basically a pencil pusher, a um, logistics officer. Yeah, I remember he's, that. He's, just, he's like a he's a sub lieutenant, right? <laughs> Not a dom lieutenant. <laughs> they were very clear on this. Very clear, and um, yeah. So so they they take him to his his uh, his room, I guess. Um, and I think and, uh, there's that one point where he remarks on Worf, Worf's uh, demeanor, which I pretty, which I really enjoyed. Um, oh, was that before? Did they send him to his room before or after sending him to Medical Bay? I guess after, huh? Yeah, I think he goes to Medical Bay, then to the the meeting room. Maybe I'm not sure. No, he goes to the meeting room. 
this is a retarded conversation. He goes to the meeting room <laughs> because 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 they try to take him to medical bay, and he's like, "This is urgent." And mm. so they they take him to the meeting room, then they take him to medical bay, then they take him to his room. Okay, okay. At some point in this in this yeah, chain was, of there events, was a cool, yeah, yeah. Worf, um, it's of course he's hostile to the to the Romulan, and uh, he leaves, and the Romulan kind of uh, wryly chuckles and says he likes Worf because he understands him, and yeah. that that leads into a commentary on how people like Worf with their prejudices and hatred or whatever are likely the ones to be responsible for the war that's on everybody's mind in this episode. And sure, yeah, that was good. I thought that was good for a few reasons. One, just because, you know, it's reflective of the human condition in some ways. Mm-hmm. But also because it's a a, cl- a clear criticism of one of the principal characters of the show that mm-hmm. holds a lot of water and is more insightful than I would typically expect. Of, yeah, uh, definitely. That's show. that's why that's why I would say I liked it as well. Um, and it's it does a good job of juxtaposition, juxtapositioning, juxtaposing, <laughs> juxtapositioning. <laughs> it does a good it does a good job of juxtaposing this this character that you you don't trust, but you agree with him in this one instance, obviously. Um, against this this main character you do trust, but is like you said, you know, he has his his negative qualities. Um, right. He's in the wrong. Yeah, and so again, you have this this suspicious character, but he's saying things that make sense. So it's kind of twisting your perception of him a little bit. Exactly, and that's really what you need when the thrust of the episode is on how much the audience trusts him. They um, yeah, they're already predisposed to think he's lying. Give him some positive traits and insights, and uh, moments where the audience agrees with him, things get a lot less clear. And then, of course, as the episode progresses, they introduce different clues and such as to right. um, his true intentions. But yeah, in this case, it's it's really. I mean, I guess I didn't really think about it too too hard at the time, but it's it's a really good, really good line. Yeah, it's really good. Um, and and I, I wish I wish they cared this much more often. <laughs> Trek has had TNG has had different moments of um, I don't want to say brilliance, but. Of higher higher level competency, such yeah. as this, and um, it's it is refreshing, and it's yeah. the kind of things like this that really endear uh, this episode to me, and to speak so highly of it as I did before. Yeah, 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 definitely. Um, but yeah, okay. So so he goes for med bay. Then they take him to his room. Then uh, they walk where... into his room. He's, he's, he struggles he struggles with the, the, the Celsius system. Right, right, right. First he orders a drink in the Romulan standard temperature measurement, which... Oinkians, right? On, well, okay. We're going to rehash this. There was a ton. In the episode, he says Onkians, and but there was a ton of debate on whether it should be Onkian or Oinkian. You know, like a pig? Um, yeah, well, I mean, I mean, some drafts of the script said Oinkian. Right. And Oinkian had its proponents. I remember Gates was very steadfast that it should be pronounced Oinkian um, when asked why. You know, she brought up the Romulan pig connection in her words. The Romulans look like pigs. And I hadn't, I didn't understand that at the time. It took until 
when was it? It was Picard. Maybe Picard yeah. season two for me to really get what she was driving at. And now I feel a little embarrassed because I was on the Ankian side and yeah. now I'm kind of coming around to the Oinkian side. Well, I mean, you don't really have a choice, do you? No. <laughs> it's, it's it's basically fact now. Well, you know how stubborn I am. <laughs> it's, just, it's just who I am. I can't help it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, when when we discovered just when we when we discover in Picard the the origin of um, that system of measurement, there's really no argument that it should be Oinkians, right? Yeah, it's just hard to look back at your younger self and realize that uh, you were wrong, and more importantly, that the woman was right. <laughs> That's very true. It's, you know, I, I sympathize. Um, it's happened to me as well in, in terms of Trek stuff, and I'm, I'm sure uh, I'm sure we'll run into this issue again. Got to be but, careful. Uh, yeah. So, so uh, Jarek, Jarek, is it Jarek or Jarok? I think it's Jarek. Okay. Jarek. Jarek sounds like a Star Wars character. It sounds like that um, that guy from Mortal Kombat. It's oh, over, yeah. Jarek. Eric Shinnok is dead. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh my God, it does. That's really distracting. There's this scene where Jarek sits down um, and he, he pulls something out of his pocket. And uh, a disc. You think, I mean, yeah. Uh, eventually, at the end of the episode, you learn that it's a thalatazine uh, chip. Right. A, a poison. Um, yeah, so you put it in your mouth. I guess you either chew it or it dissolves or something, and it kills you. Um, I, I do want to note that that is actually the, the the prop itself is just part of a giant pack of Smarties we commissioned, mm. basically just for this exact purpose. Um, Alan wanted to to provide a little bit of meta commentary um, by using a candy that actually just made you want to kill yourself. So that was kind of cute. Um, but you he pulls it out and you, like I don't know about you. But I, I'm thinking like, oh, this is like some kind of weapon or tracker or something. Right. Well, that's that's part of part of the episode's tension. Um, yeah. That's you don't know what it is. You don't know what his intentions are. So um, it, it's another part of it that makes it tick so well, as well as it does. Yeah. Yeah. God bless him. Um, you might have better notes on this episode than I do. Hmm. I should probably take better notes, so I might rely on you for the rest of the, the the order of events. I think the next part was the end credits. <laughs> does does anything happen be- before Picard gets his video message? Um, I think they might have deduced that the ship following the scout ship was uh, tempering its speed, so it didn't actually uh, sure. catch up to it. That might actually have been after that, because that's that's when you realize the bridge has a sky roof. Yes, the most important um, revelation of that scene. <laughs> have we seen that before? No, we've not. I feel not. like we have. No, we I, haven't. I don't yeah, recall. That's so weird. That's so weird. I, In some respects, you need to take better notes. In others, you need to take worse notes. If uh, <laughs> this is what you're coming away with. <laughs> <laughs> I just I was really fascinated by that. It makes sense. I mean, if you're stuck on a a, a bridge with you know, there's only like one big window in the front. You kind of want some more 
more more window uh, space views, I guess. Yeah. Now I struggled. Maybe they can open it up and stick their head. <laughs> I struggled with this. Is it appropriate to call those things a window? Um, as opposed to what? I, well, I guess just a pane of glass. It's well, you think it's made of glass on the spaceship? Okay, a, a, a pane of fibro synthol. Well, it's basically the the thickness of a wall, just translucent. Okay. You know, it's not quite sure. a window in the same sense. Can't open it, right? Can't just pop it open yeah, for but a breeze. Is, does a window need to be opened? Um, to be a window, you mean? Yeah. This is this philosophical in nature. This question. An opening in the wall or roof of a building or vehicle that is fitted with glass or other transparent material and a frame to admit light or air and allow people to see out. Well, it's certainly not air that they're trying to get in here. It's <laughs> even if it could open, it's definitely not air. I don't know. I think I think you can easily call it a window, and you're fine. Yeah, I don't know. We're gonna we're gonna have to agree to disagree on this one. Yeah. This is this is too philosophical of a debate. It is, but you know, eventually, um, Starfleet does get its hat in the ring. Uh, they're sending yeah. messages to Picard. They have a very family matters esque uh, <laughs> admiral pop in, and yeah. uh, you know that actor for years. I think to this day, he still has yeah. first Black Admiral of Starfleet on his resume. Um, yeah, I mean it's it's uh, quite the position. Role that meant a lot to him. Now, um, with those messages, I also liked the content of those and heightening the tension of the episode. Sure, yeah. Um, the, just the very blunt, Picard, uh, where he says to Picard, "This is going to fall on your shoulders to to deal with this situation." Um, right, was incredibly realistic, I suppose, mm-hmm. and also. Mm-hmm grave in a way um it it just yeah. played to the seriousness of everything that was going on yeah i i totally agree and you know obviously like we said when the scale come becomes this big uh bigger players are gonna have to get involved and it's nice to it's nice to see picard having to deal with even though that wasn't really the point of this episode it's nice to see him having to deal with uh, his superiors because yeah. usually he's kind of like the 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 the, the one making the, the final decision, the buck stops with him. So yeah, it's 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 cool to see how he interacts with powers that are larger than he is. Um, <clears throat> the one thing I don't understand is why do they have to send video messages? That is weird, especially when they're not calls; they're video messages, as you said. It, there's no benefit to it because you can't respond to it in the moment. Right when it, we know they can video call um, right. very easily. I, maybe it's a matter of distance. Maybe the reception fucks up, like Skype or something, if you're too far away. In-universe, perhaps, um, but truly what it is um, is a logistics issue for filming. And uh, I won't hear otherwise. No, I, it, it was a stupid decision. I mean, c- considering he, he talks to this admiral again in a future episode, and it's, it's, a, it's a video call, so... Uh... Uh, it doesn't really make any sense. I, I did want to note, I almost forgot... Uh, we have we we have the quote from the um, from the original opening of of the Ready Room. Yes, here. yes, we do. Um, I was mm-hmm. wondering if you would notice that. 
And yeah, you did. Of course. <laughs> did it catch you a little off guard? <laughs> yeah, it did. <laughs> I was I was not expecting it to, to happen here. But uh yeah. God, I almost forgot about that. See, um, your notes are just fine. <laughs> I also want to note uh, there's once again no fish in Picard's tank. Right. Well, that that has its own story of um cuz the fish tank was used pretty oh, I, Yeah, I guess there was a reason. Yeah. This time. It featured heavily in in filming of the episode, uh, unfortunately in a deleted scene, but there's mm-hmm. that there's that moment around this time in the episode actually where Picard calls Worf into his readier room and we yep. as the audience never see what happens in there. But what we filmed was that Worf would go in and Picard had to ask him for Klingon assistance, but the idea was that the Klingons that they were asking were Klingons that Worf had beef with for whatever history, history personal history reason. And Picard would have to struggle to ask a great thing of Worf. So Picard would kind of stand up and look out his uh, viewport. Right, right. <laughs> um, and he'd be like, oh, you know, Worf, it's being a leader is a difficult thing. He's having this whole serious talk. Meanwhile, Worf in the background would accidentally puncture the fish tank on Picard's mm-hmm. wall. And um, he'd have this whole I love Lucy moment of like trying to plug it in increasingly ridiculous ways. Um, <laughs> the, the idea was that it'd be this kind of physical comedy scene that had some levity to the episode. and Right, right. Didn't make it in, but I will say that Michael's performance was surprisingly good. Quite the yeah. Michael yeah. might be uh, suited for slapstick. After seeing that, I I would believe it entirely. Um, I recommend anybody check it out on the Blu-ray because it's on there. But yeah, great scene. And uh, but yeah, it's it's really a shame. The whole point of this is because of that we couldn't get any fish in in the tank because then they would be uh, in danger. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, yeah, it was, it was, it would have been a whole, uh, a whole animal rights abuse thing that uh, we weren't willing to to pay for. So, exactly, exactly. <laughs> but uh, had, yeah, had jumping forward a bit because that scene was cut. How do you feel about the Klingon assistance being what saves the day when it's never really alluded to otherwise? Oh. It didn't make any sense to me at all. It, it, I, it, it took me a good minute or two to realize, oh, oh, Worf went to go talk to the Klingons. Right. Because, because there is also, I, I guess, we, we must have done this retroactively or something, but we managed to fit in a, a scene on the bridge that's it passes you by very quickly, where Picard tells Worf to go talk to some Klingons. Yes. Right? Yeah. But it really, like, if you're not paying attention, you're kind of like, whatever. Yeah, I think that's, it's technically set up, but in the most, uh, blase, no, the most sure unintentional, I don't even know how to put it. It's just unnoticeable, way possible, that it's barely a setup, and just comes across right. more hokey and cheap than anything else. Right, right. Now, yeah, I, I, I do agree with that. Granted, the resolution of that particular conflict wasn't what the episode was about, so I don't think it's a big deal. Um, yeah, sure. But it is, it just very deus uh, ex machina, I suppose. It's 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 glaring in an episode that was otherwise so tight. Hmm. That's all. Yeah. Well, it's everything's going to uh, have some flaws. Yeah, sure. 
there's there's also um Picard calls a lot of people into his ready room this episode. There's there's a scene where he calls Data in. Loved it. And he wants him to set up a class one probe. And and here's here's a line that I was kind of confused by. Set the sense set the sensors for maximum scan. Um <laughs> as as if you wouldn't want a probe to 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 maximally scan something. I'm not really just scan following. a little bit. I, I, I want to know some of what's happening. <laughs> Make it a little mysterious for me. I like games. Don't ruin my surprise, Data. Not with this probe. <laughs> uh, and then, and then he wants Data to be like a chronicler of of uh, uh, things that are happening, uh, so that history may know why this war was potentially started. Um, if he wanted to do that, he probably should have started from, you know, the very beginning, but... Yeah, I mean, choosing that particular moment, whatever, but the idea of um, Data serving as this, the quote from the episode, this objective viewpoint for, for history, I thought was a compelling idea. Sure. Um, I guess. Yeah, and it's... That's also another heavy moment that... that pays lip service to what a war is and all the the costs of it it's like this mm-hmm. this isn't something that the characters are entering into lightly uh despite them doing that in, in many other episodes <laughs> um, and it was <laughs> nice to just see that acknowledged yeah one thing i take umbrage with here is that uh we missed out on the opportunity to make picard and data kiss so that we could explain why he's having dreams about him in Picard season one all the time. Well, you know, cuts, cut content is, uh, cut content, cut, co- cut content. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Picard data leaves the room and Picard says, if these men do not die, well, it will be a black matter for the King. Hmm. Um, what do you think that black matter was? I think that was an unintentional reference to black adder. Oh, it will be a black adder for the king. Right. Which oh. is also something from Europe, much like Jean-Luc Picard. Sure, sure. And uh, Jean-Luc, um, whatever his name was. Valjean. Jean-Luc Valjean? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, baby. Now, okay. Data... Yeah. Uh, okay, go ahead. Data. I was gonna say Data has a moment with um, Jarek in uh, in Ten Forward. Oh, he does. Yeah, he does. Yeah, that was cool. Yeah, I enjoyed the general feeling of hostility from from Jarek. Uh, uh-huh. It's it's easy to to write Jarek more sympathetically, or even have him play at sympathy, where he's betraying or down or down talking Romulus and hating on his former comrades or praising the Federation or whatever. But, you know, he just comes in mm-hmm. and he's just kind of an obstinate jerk about everything. It's like, oh this fucking Federation ship sucks. Wish I was on Romulus <laughs> looking at the firefalls of Cromula, whatever it is. Um Cromula like <laughs> <laughs> The the Cromulent waterfalls. Yes. But no, um, it 
it's written very realistically, where he's just a principled guy who did something he didn't really want to do but had to, and he still is very in love with his home and his people and his race. Um, yeah. Which I enjoyed that portrayal quite a bit. And a lot of that yeah, comes different. out in this talk with Data. Yeah. Yeah, and it's... Uh... There's, there's no real drama to it. He doesn't get angry and then storm out or whatever, which I kind of expect from Star Trek. But he, he just sits down and talks to him calmly, and then, then they go on a little date. Right. And um, that serves as the, the his motivation in a lot of ways, because Data recreates Romulus for him, and he gets a renewed sense of what this was all about. Oh, yeah, that's right, yeah. Which then prompts him to reveal his true identity as as a general, instead of admiral, a, admiral instead of a, uh, a logistics officer, which ultimately yeah. comes back around again later on when he takes the final step of pledging to tell Picard everything he knows about tactics and ship specifications and such. Yeah, and it's the the little. Um... That little diversion where, you know, he pretends to be a rank he's not makes a lot of sense for the episode because if if an admiral defected to your ship, uh, I feel like it would draw a lot more attention from Starfleet immediately. There's that. And and, and events would have been mm. different. It's He also would have been immediately pressed for all of the high top-level secrets that he did not want to divulge. Um, yeah, yeah, that's... Too. Which is consistent yeah. with how it's written in the show. Um, and it also works because, A, okay, this guy's hiding his identity, so I, audience won't trust him. B, he's not giving up secrets of uh, how their ships work or whatever. Again, audience doesn't trust him when ultimately he turns out to be trustworthy. Uh, all of these things just yeah. just work together so well to increase the, the tension the audience feels on whether or not to trust this character. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah um he he has quite a few interactions with like a lot of the crew too we didn't mention the uh the Riker and troy do you know why uh, we didn't mention that interrogation uh, <laughs> uh because it was um useless well i was gonna say because it was irrelevant 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 <laughs> <laughs> uh troy does nothing this is her one job and she does nothing yeah, not which e I guess falls I, I, in line with the rest of the show. I think she says he's hiding something, or there's something he won't <laughs> tell us, <laughs> which is an amazing. Really? Uh, once they've already decided to do an interrogation, it's an amazing bit of insight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Riker does ask him a lot of irrelevant questions. Irrelevant questions. Well, the, he does. Riker, that is, kind of acquiesce to that. You know. Uh, yeah. The, the way that that's portrayed is that Jarek is very um, consistent in in what he's telling uh, Riker and Troy. Um, he says what he needs to for the mission that he stated, and everything else is irrelevant. Because um, mm -hmm. Riker is kind of playing at topics that aren't about the issue at hand. It's probably some advanced interrogation technique. <laughs> to fuck around with things that don't matter. Yeah. Yeah, I like it. I, I, think, I think it actually is. Um, well, I'm no master think? interrogator. <laughs> what do I think of what? You're, you're a master instigator. That's true. That's very what did you true. you think of 
uh, his scene with Picard in the ready room after he reveals his identity. I liked it. I liked how it worked for went for both sides. They were both uh, consistent unto their characters, especially Picard, who really was not at all moved by that guy's emotional motivation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For once, Picard is actually consistent in a situation like this. Yes, which perhaps might mean that he was written inconsistently. If, uh... <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. It was a nice way to resolve the... Um, kind of the mystery of the episode because at that point once Picard decides to trust him so too will the audience yeah and and you get a little bit of a, like an emotional outpour that um was kind of like the, the show was dangling kind of in front of your face a little bit until mm -hmm. that point and then it's finally like okay here you go uh here's this sympathetic moment for this character instead of like you said instead of doing that early on and writing him as an inherently sympathetic character you just get this little brief glimpse right of uh i guess i would say humanity I, Ro romulality <laughs> uh, I, I think the worst version of this episode instead of pulling out the uh fibrosian chip he pulls out like a locket of his daughter's face yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god that and and you know that had a chance of happening too. Oh yeah, that's absolutely something Trek would do. Oh my god, I, I yeah, that's you, you got me heated now. <laughs> um, in heat, this, I, I do want to say it got me in heat. I do want to say this scene has my personal favorite bit of cut content. Okay, um, of which there was quite a bit in this episode. Um, we had to cut a lot for time. Um. There's an extra bit of dialogue when he's telling Picard about his daughter. Um, and he says, let me see if I can get the, um, I have, I have a few of the scripts here, the older ones. He says, um, I will never see my child smile again. She will grow up believing that her father is a traitor, but at least I will not have to suffer the indignity of handing her off to another man for his sexual pleasure. Which I thought was incredibly deep. Um, it was easy to relate to. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's it, it really, you know, you get the sense like we're not so different, you and I. Huh. And um, and Picard would have gotten that sense too. Sure, yeah. You know, it, it could have been an entirely different scene with that. But, you know, alas. The cutting room floor yeah, makes we... fools of us all. I do have to mention this. We have a scene with Data and Jordy uh, with their pants down. <laughs> Not those two characters with their pants down, but the phrase with their pants down. Yes. <laughs> More classic Data. Um, just just how how we mentioned last episode, they, they had really done a good job of making these kinds of scenes work. This one is stupid. I'll say... The, it, it is, again, the, the point of the scene. The only positive I can say about this is that it furthers the rapport of Jordy and Data, who are yeah, I guess. explicitly friends. They're ostensibly friends. <laughs> yeah. Where, whereas, otherwise, it's the middle of um, you know, work talk, in the middle of a mission, in the middle of some important scene, important yeah. moment where Data just fucks around with uh, idioms. Right. Right. Yeah, I guess. Not it to was, say that. Stupid. Yeah, not to say that it worked or that it was pivotal or vital to the episode or even good. 
But I, I do like it just a little bit more when it's between these two. Because they... Yeah, I can I believe agree. them having more casual moments together. I agree. Uh, more, yeah, more casual moments with their pants down. Yes. I mean, if you've ever caught Brent with his pants down, you know how casual it can get. <laughs> I uh, Some people um, just let themselves get caught, you know? Oh, in a motorcycle outside or something. Well, I couldn't hear it. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They, uh, they, they do, they do. Uh, and we had a few of those. Indeed. Now, after this, I think it's when the climax of the episode happens. They go to um, that that point, and I, I guess we haven't really said this yet, but the defector, the whole point is that he is saying that there's a secret base of that Romulans are making in the neutral zone. That's going to be pivotal in mm-hmm. their invasion of Federation space. And the Federation has the, rather the Enterprise has the choice of whether to go and investigate it, thereby entering the neutral zone and instigating war themselves, or um, ignoring it, imagining it's false information and uh, not risking anything. And that's the decision. Mm-hmm. So they, upon, now that Picard trusts Jarek, because Jarek is going to give him all this private information of uh, Romulan information. They decide to go, they go, and there's nothing there. And uh, right. everyone's having this moment where uh, it's like, oh my god, it was a wild goose chase. Jarek himself looks beside himself with confusion. He's not he's not cackling or anything, which is weird <laughs> for Trek. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah you, you really do expect him to be like, Hmm, it seems I fooled you. <laughs> and uh, it's really great that that didn't happen. Yeah, yeah it was uh, it was all the Romulans. Uh, 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 Jarek had been used, um, basically demoted, right? Yeah. For the past few months. And they fed him uh, incorrect information to test his loyalty, uh, I guess. And, you know, with all due respect, they nailed it. Yeah, that's the thing. It it could just be that they knew and they they just wanted to enact this plan Mm. the way it happened. Um, But, yeah, he was used. uh, uh, Tomahawk uh, gets the jump on the Enterprise with another ship. Yep, uh, they're Um, there to spit roast them. Yeah. and 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 here's here's where I have just a little bit of an issue with this episode. Oh yeah. Uh, Tomahawk says, uh, you know, I'm I'm going to destroy the Enterprise and put its remains in the center of Romulan Square. Yeah, it's 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 fractured hull. Yeah, and and so it's at this point that the conflict becomes, um, like galaxy wide. It goes from galaxy wide to okay, what they just wanted to blow up the Enterprise, right? I I think that more specifically, this would be the first conflict of the war, oh. and they would blow up the Federation's flagship, which would of course lead to further conflicts. Mm, now, I suppose so. what I'm not sure of, and what I was thinking about while watching the episode was. Would they have known that it was the Enterprise specifically that was going to pick up the... Yeah, that's another thing, yeah. 
Yeah. Um, I, I, I guess, yeah, maybe not. It doesn't matter into how the events of the episode play out, but some of the dialogue does point to that, that it was always the Federation. I'm sorry, that it was always the Enterprise that was going to be involved yeah. in this. It, 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 it feels a little bit like Saturday morning cartoon villain at the end here. Yeah. Like, you'll pay for this Enterprise, you know? Mm. So that wasn't i don't i don't know if i really like that too much but it's it's not the worst it's not the end of the world it doesn't necessarily i mean you you, you can you can work your way around that right right it's whatever um do you want to note that Worf does say sensors which you know sure we're big fans of here big big fans of the sensors I, I wanted to to mention and this is going back quite a bit um to after jarek confesses to picard Mm-hmm. Um, we get a shot of the the meeting room, and and the crew's just all in there like mingling or whatever. And then Picard walks in, and then they all sit down, which I think is a very <laughs> rare sequence of events. It you is. Know what it, I mean, it is, and it looks stilted. Um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it, it's 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 like a meeting they don't want to have. You know, they're taking their last moments yep. of relaxing, um, and then ah oh, shit, the meeting's starting. Whatever. Um, <laughs> When really, you know, all their lives are in the balance here. Yes, yeah, yeah, that was kind of weird. Um, but I don't know. I, I liked it in theory because we don't we don't usually get to see that kind of scene, right? So it is it is true to life, but it's true to life in that people will fuck around before meetings. Yeah, yeah, basically. Uh, yeah. So, so you know, jumping forward again. Um, Glad we got that in. To, yeah. <laughs> The Enterprise manages to escape uh, with the help of uh, some Klingon. Deus Ex Klingon. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, then Jarrett kills himself. Uh, right. And he writes a letter to his, his wife and daughter uh, that can't be delivered. And then everyone praises his um, courage, <laughs> despite courage. treating him like complete shit for the entire episode. Even when they were trusting him, even when they decided to trust him, they treated him like shit. And then he kills himself and suddenly he's a hero, which is how most suicides go. (laughs) It's like, it's like, it's like the kid in high school who killed himself. Every, every Stacy's writing on his Facebook page. Like he was, he was such a great person. (laughs) If we had more people with his courage than this. (laughs) If we had more people with his Klingon guile. <laughs> um, there was something I was just thinking about at the end here. Star Trek? Oh, they. I always thought, every time I watched this episode, it's very unfortunate for the Federation that they couldn't get literally any of the Klingon, Klingon the Romulan secrets out of him before he killed himself. <laughs> Well, they did, didn't they? He gave them, like, schematics of, like, uh, warbirds or something, didn't he? No, I think they said that he was going to. Like, oh, he's prepared to give us all of this. He's going to give us this. Oh, and and he just didn't. Yeah, either that or he he did, and it just never figured into any future events, which is obviously also possible. Uh, That is is kind of unfortunate. Yeah. Um, Very convenient for the the show, at least. Mm Mm-hmm. But inconvenient for the characters. Yeah. And that's the end of it. That's that's that's, that's the, the episode. End. Yeah. Quite a good episode. Uh, I think our opinions have changed at all. It's really good. 
Yeah, maybe that maybe I like it more. Um, but I have rewatched this episode a few times, um, incidentally, before watching it for this. And it's an episode I thoroughly enjoy every time. I think I said I also rewatched um the the Vengeance Factor accidentally sometimes and, and really mm-hmm. not been yeah. into it. But this is one I enjoy every time. Yeah. Which is really yeah, something given really great. given how much of its tension revolves around the Jarek's motives and enjoying it despite knowing how that's gonna resolve. Yeah, totally. Yeah, it it still plays well. It's mm. uh, definitely at the top of the list, like you said. Um all right. I have a question for you, I guess. I um, have an answer. So hmm. uh Jarek's <clears throat> suicide note okay i knew i knew this would be in the apocrypha <laughs> i knew will eventually it. be returned to his family um in the short story called suicide note Ap- in the Ap- pocket title. tng mm. book the sky is the limit um so in suicide note who returns the note okay is it a character i know i, I you wouldn't it's ask a character you know okay it's 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 a it's a main character getting big Wesley Crusher vibes because Wesley Crusher's dad died in <laughs> war and this, this guy did. <laughs> I'm gonna say Wesley Crusher. Wesley Crusher. No. Damn. No. Damn. I'll, I'll, I'll give you one more. Okay. Um, well, it's not Leslie Crusher. I'm gonna rule that one out. Yeah. Um. Who would be interacting with a Romulan? No way, it's it's no. I was gonna say Frakes. There's no way it's Riker. Okay. I should I should probably mention this is set between Star Trek: First Contact and Star Trek: Insurrection. Okay, that means nothing to me. Sometime after Deep Space Nine and the Pale Moonlight. <laughs> is that a real thing? Yeah. Damn. Um, you know, I'll just say Picard. Yeah, it's Picard. Good okay. job. Second try. Good job. You get half a point for that. Silver half medal. A star. Uh, yeah. Uh, th- that's that's all the information that's on Memory Alpha about this. I wonder if I wonder if it's on Memory Beta. Betazoid, Memory Betazoid, Memory Betazoid. Look at this Betazoid. That is what it's called, Memory Beta, right? You're asking the wrong guy. I don't think there is a right guy to ask this to, but I am the wrong one. Suicide note. Here we go. Nope, this, 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 memory beta has to be the worst wiki of all time, because it has basically no plot summaries at all. What does it have? Nothing? Like, it has lists of characters, uh, starships that appear, (laughs) Um, stupid shit. Uh, Apparently, it takes place eight years after this episode. Okay, okay. Picard's still alive. Cool. You know, maybe we could get a memory beta editor... It's a guest on the show. Yeah, yeah, we should. We should. We can really hold their feet to the fire. Yeah, hold the fire to their maybe feet. It's, maybe it's just maybe it's just the issue that no one reads Star Trek novels, so no one's there to actually tell us what it's about. Are Trek fans literate, by and large? <laughs> yes, they're literate, they're by, and they're large. <laughs> <laughs> Well, 
Uh, well, fuck. That's gonna about do it. I gotta compose myself here. Um. Whew. Um. <laughs> Jeez, uh, yeah. So, okay, that's that's this episode of the Ready Room, signed, sealed, and delivered to you. Um, join us next week for another episode of the Ready Room. Um, Want to remind everybody at home that the Ready Room is lovingly sponsored by uh, Denny's, home of the Grand Slam, Moons Over Miami, uh, Pet Boys, home of the Three Minute Oil Chains, and you can drop our name at either of those fine, any of those fine brands locations, and get up to a fifteen percent discount depending on how ready are you look on that given day to the cashier. Um, they're authorized up to 15. It's going to be it. I want everybody to stop by again. Join us in our neighborhood. And until we see you again, everybody, please stay ready. The troublesome little man child. I stand before you defrocked. Condemned to be a member of this lowest of species. Thank you, Ensign. Engage. Do you consider yourself superior to us? Should have told him to mind his own damn business. But I stroke the beard thusly. Do I not appear more intellectual? Have you never dreamed of climbing inside the bottle bottle?